What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to talk week nine picks. We're going to get to your comments, and then we're going to spend a good chunk of time on what is, I think, the biggest news in the Big Ten, which is everything circulating around Michigan. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Leave me your leave reviews. Send me emails. Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. I'm gonna hop right into picks and then we'll take a break. I'll get to comments and then we're gonna spend a good chunk of time on everything going on in the Michigan world and particularly the allegations and 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 whatnot with that. So let's get right to it. There's a lot of, I think, interesting games. Uh, only five this week because obviously a number of buy uh, buys Michigan on a buy Rutgers on a buy, um, two others I, I believe as well. Uh, there has to be it's fourteen teams and only five five or ten teams are playing. So good job, Zach. I'm I'm running on all cylinders today. Uh, first one is Indiana at number ten Penn State, twelve p.m. kick on CBS. Penn State's a 32-point favorite. 32-point favorite. I don't think Penn State covers. I think this is one of those games where Penn State starts very sleepy because they, you know, they're coming off the loss. Uh, it's going to be a little cooler. I believe it's going to be 39, no, 48 degrees and rainy around game time. So I think it's going to be sloppy weather. I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana's defense gets a turnover early. You know, Aaron Casey, really good player for them on on defense. You know, they we saw a couple weeks ago, or is it last week? Indiana against Michigan, they they pulled the trick play on them. Wouldn't be surprised if you see that again uh, in this game. Ultimately, though, I just think Penn State has too much firepower at the running back position. I think their offensive line has a bounce-back game against this defensive line. I think Drew Aller has a bounce-back game being at home. I, I like Penn State to win 38-10. to 10. They don't cover, barely, but I think Penn State fans are kind of pulling their hair out in the middle of the second second quarter being like, what in the world is going on? But I think Penn State works it out. Right, young quarterback, still kind of figuring things out on offense. Indiana's not a bad defense, um, at least in spurts. They have some guys, but I think Penn State's going to be on the field too long. I think between the running backs, I think Penn State's defense is going to really tighten up, get a couple turnovers. Daquan Hardy might have a big punt return for a touchdown. I like Penn State to win by 28. Also at 12 o'clock, Big Ten Network, we have Maryland at Northwestern. Maryland is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a weird game for me. Northwestern has performed 
above expectation. And I, by no means do I think Northwestern is the better team, right? By no means do I think Northwestern is the better team. But Maryland is coming off a two-game losing streak and then a bye. And a lot of people often think bye weeks, it's like, well, it's when you get right. It's when everything kind of starts to get better. Listen, no offense, but often bye weeks can mess with you in ways that you don't expect. You get a little sluggish, you get sloppy, you, you stew a bit, especially if you're off two straight losses. I'm sure Maryland is thinking too, we just, we had at least a nine and three season in our grasp, maybe even 10 and two. And all of a sudden, you're now five and two and looking at at least eight and four, maybe even worse down the barrel. How does Maryland respond? Because like that, that, that's the thing with Maryland. They have good enough talent to be the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Tungo Bailoa is a good quarterback. Hemby is a good running back. They have good receivers. They have a, an underrated defense. But they blow games they shouldn't. And, you know, Tunga Vailoa makes mistakes that he shouldn't as a fifth or sixth year senior. Right? And Northwestern, while I think they are, talent-wise, the worst team in the Big Ten, they sprung an upset on Minnesota, who Minnesota, I still can't get a read on, but, like, they, they're they 4-3. and three, Right? They, they hung with Penn State for a half. They were right with Nebraska last week. And Nebraska is not a great team, but like they, they've hung with teams that I wouldn't have expected them to hang with. So I, I don't know what to make of this game, if I'm being honest. It's at Northwestern, which also concerns me because there's just not a lot of juice there. Like there's not going to be a lot of people at that game. I think that right now you can find tickets for $3 on Vivid Seats. So, like, if you want to go for a really cheap football game, like, this is the one to go to. But, like, sometimes you might think, well, there's no home field advantage. But, like, sometimes, like, Northwestern's used to that. Maryland might come out really, really sleepy. And Northwest, like, I would not be shocked if Northwestern pulls off the upset. I'm not picking that. But I think I, I think Ben Bryant has a couple of big throws downfield. I think Cam Porter might run a bit more than you expect on this Maryland team. And I think it's close going into the fourth quarter. Ultimately, I think Maryland wins by 10. Uh, make that 11. I've got 31 to 20. Maryland wins. They do not cover. I think it's a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter. 330 kick, Big Ten Network, Michigan State at Minnesota. Minnesota's a seven-point favorite. Man, I, I feel like I've been off on Minnesota every week, maybe since like week two. I don't think I'm going to be off on this one. I think I think Minnesota wins. I think they win big. I think Michigan State is just a mess right now. I think... That secondary for Michigan State is exactly what Minnesota needs, what uh, Kaliak Manis needs with that that receiving core. I think they, I think Minnesota runs and passes. Uh, I don't think at will, 
because I think Minnesota's offense is very limited. They're only averaging 300 yards a game, but I think they get they get enough on offense where they look much more competent in this game. And I think Tyler Newbin, I think most likely an all Big Ten, if not an all American safety, I think he has a couple picks in this game, and it may, they make it a, a pretty sizable margin of victory. I like Minnesota. 24 to 6. I think they they clamp down on Michigan State. I think Michigan State turns the ball over and I think Minnesota it's not a it's not a lot of points but it's a it's a bigger margin of victory than you'd think. Um one other thing to note it I mean Michigan State the amount of injuries I think I counted at least 20 players that are out in this game. So their depth is is a mess. Um, so I like Minnesota by 18. Purdue at Nebraska, 3.30 kick on FS1. Nebraska, two-and-a-half-point favorite. This this game's a hard one to pick, and a, a big part of it is I, I'm not sure what to make of either of these teams. Like, I think Purdue has had a hard schedule, right, had a, a a fairly decent Syracuse team on the schedule, a fairly decent Fresno State team on the schedule in the non-conference. And then they've played Iowa, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, which as as bad as Iowa's def or offense has been, it's still one of the best defenses in the country. Wisconsin's not a bad team. And yet when they played Illinois, they beat them by 25. So what gives here? Like it, 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 they're a two and five team, and yet Nebraska four and three. They're building momentum. Two, you know, they've won four out of five. Their one loss being to Michigan. Um, but granted, those those wins are Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, at Illinois, and Northwestern. And so it it's not the same schedule by any means. It's, and so it's just hard to figure out what this game is going to be like. Um, ne- Nebraska has a lot of guys out, a lot of running backs out. So even though they're averaging a lot of uh, r- rushing yards, I I don't know if they're going to be able to run as much as they'd like against this Purdue defense. This Purdue defense is worse against the pass. And I don't trust Nebraska's passing offense. I think Purdue does have some pass rush. I think they couldn't they can affect Harburg if he's the starter uh, in this game. I This is a coin flip game. I I'm going to pick Nebraska on the strength of their defense. I almost pick I almost talked myself into picking Purdue. Part of that's on the fact that they beat Illinois by far more than Nebraska did, but Nebraska I think defense travels. I think Nebraska's defense is going to do a really good job against Purdue's running offense. They're going to make them one-dimensional, and I think they force Hudson Card into some bad bad decisions. I like Nebraska 23-17. to 17. Nebraska covers tight game, tight game. Um, it might be lower scoring than that. 7.30 kick on NBC, number three, Ohio State at Wisconsin. Ohio State's a 14.5-point favorite. There is uh, at least 
some who think that Ohio State will get most, if not all, of their big-time playmakers back for this game. Emeka Abuka, Travion Henderson, uh, Denzel Burke on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think it's a, this is going to be a tough game for the Buckeyes. You're coming off a big win against a top-10 team. It's the first time you've played in Camp Randall since 2016. The last time they had a turnaround like this with a West Division opponent after having a big win against Penn State, it's when they got demolished by Iowa. I... mm, That scares me as a Buckeye fan. They, They don't have a ton of film on Braden Locke. For, as Wisconsin's quarterback. Wisconsin has a running back that's, I think, very similar and, and probably a bit more talented than the, than uh, Audric Estime over at Notre Dame. Like, I think Braylon Allen has a little bit more wiggle, and yet he's a load to bring down. They haven't faced a back like that yet. Like, the, the backs for Penn State are really, really good. The backs for Notre Dame are really, really good. I think Braylon Allen's a different type of back. He's both shifty and yet a load to bring down. I think Wisconsin's receivers might actually be a little bit better than Penn State's. Not by much, but I like I think I think Keandre Lambert Smith is probably better than any individual receiver for Wisconsin. But I think Pauling and DK together, I think are they're a dangerous combo. Um Braden Locke is able to run the ball, and so you've got run-pass threat with the quarterback. I thought they bounced back really well with Illinois. So I think I, I don't think this is a gimme for Ohio State, and I think Ohio State might come out a little flat. I think Kyle McCord has had a tendency to start flat in games, especially on – well, I'd say especially on the road, but at Purdue he did, he did a pretty good job. Um but I think Wisconsin has a, a decent defense. So I think Ohio State struggles early. I think this game is close at half. I do think Ohio State pulls away. I think if Henderson plays, I think you see him have a big game as they try to reestablish that running game. And, I, you know, I think Marv's going to be Marv, right? I think even if it rains, even if it's cold, I think Marvin Harrison is, is an X factor in this game. It does look like while it's going to be cold, it doesn't look like it's going to rain, which I think is in Ohio State's favor. Give me the Buckeyes to not cover, but to win the game outright. 31-21. Ohio State uh, wins by 10, but I, I don't think it's going to be a shoot. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. That'll do it for picks. I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about your comments and questions, and we're going to talk about some Michigan scandal news. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. A lot of great comments and just a lot of encouragement. So I just want to acknowledge some of these guys here uh, who uh, shared on the either on X or Twitter or Apple, Apple podcast reviews or Spotify reviews. Uh, I'll start with Spotify. Cameron uh, commented. He said, "Love it. First thing I listen to every morning and and Thursday, uh, every Monday and Thursday on my way to school." And then had a fire emoji. Thanks, Cameron. It, it's a 
just an honor to be part of your Monday and Thursday as you go to school. Thanks for for sending that in. I appreciate it. Sean uh, said, I'm a Rutgers fan. I love your podcast. Well done, Zach. Really great podcast. I will only suggest to update the podcast artwork to include Rutgers. First of all, thank you, Sean. I am grateful that I think Rutgers, you guys deserve a good season and really, really excited for, for the season you guys are having. My, my, my mea culpa on Rutgers not being in the artwork, they are in the artwork. I just, the thumbnail version of it cuts out, I think, Purdue and Rutgers. But like, if you have the full, like, uh, landscape view, is that the word? Yeah. Landscape view. They're in there. Um, my friend made that artwork for me just on the, on a whim because I'm not talented in that way. And she, she already sent me artwork for when the big 10 expands. Um, and I'm pretty sure Rutgers, like we're going to make sure Rutgers is in there. So don't you worry. We got your back. Um, it's either Rutgers is in there or there's going to be too many teams. And so there's going to be none of the 18 teams on there. So, Either either everybody's getting in or nobody's getting in. We're like uh, we're like a little league team with trophies. So, um, but I appreciate you writing in, Sean. Um, Ron zero eight two four. Nice to hear Rutgers getting some good talk on the pod. Although their offense still struggles, they can win or lose games like every other team in the Big Ten outside of the Big Three. To get to a bowl game with one more win would be a huge plus for this program. Hoping we can finish seven and five. Thanks, Ron. That was a five-star review on Apple, which remember, make sure you, if you're listening to this on Apple, make sure to, to hit that review button and leave leave a rating because uh, that helps boost the show and boost uh, boost the recommendations and whatnot. So I appreciate that. But Ron, thanks for writing in. I, and I think I've said this on several podcasts, I don't think seven and five or eight and four is out of the question, right? They They have... Four games left, Ohio State next week, they have Penn State, they have Iowa, they have uh, Maryland. I I don't see why Rutgers couldn't be either Iowa or Rutgers, or Iowa or Maryland, sorry. Um, I think it, it, they, I think they will be the underdog in both of those games, but I, I think especially Iowa, you're you're talking about a game where the team just has nothing going on offensively. I think I think Rutgers is better than Minnesota. And Minnesota won at Kinnick Stadium. And so I I I really agree. I think they can get one more win. I think Iowa I like I think if if you catch Maryland at the right time, I think you can get Maryland. Um I think Penn State and Ohio State is probably a bridge too far. Um but Seven and five, eight and four. Like I, I think you're right. I think six and six, get into a bowl game, again with this schedule, is phenomenal. But you go seven and five. I mean, that's we should throw a parade in Piscataway. So I and I mean that. Like I think it's just it's again a tremendous coaching job by Greg Schiano, Yankee Wolverine, my boy. Uh, at uh, on Twitter, um, he wrote something in too long to post, uh, but I, you know I always appreciate your engagement, Yankee. Um, and I, I say that knowing that 
the part about Michigan we're going to talk about in a minute may not be your favorite thing, but I do, I do appreciate it. Um, one thing he mentioned in my, in the message to me, he, he mentioned the idea of is Notre Dame or Penn state anything special? And I think that's actually a really good question. Um, I, I think both teams are really good with some clear limitations which is honestly what I think a lot of teams are this year. Like I honestly, like I would put Penn state up against any team in the country. And I think they would, they would stack up pretty well. Like I think you put them against Florida state. I think a lot of people think Florida state is really good. And I, I think they're really good too. Florida state hasn't faced a defense like Penn state. Like maybe the closest thing is Clemson and Clemson's defense is not nearly as good as Penn State's. Penn State's defense is legit. And I think like I think Florida State's off or I think I think Florida State's defense is not nearly as good um to the point where they would shut down Penn State's offense like Ohio State did. So like I think I think you put up Penn State against them. I think you put Penn State against Texas or Oklahoma like I, I think they can win those games. Now, maybe not they, maybe, maybe not six or seven out of ten, but like they can compete with those teams. Just like I think they can compete with Ohio State. I think they can compete with Michigan. So, like I, I think they're really good. I just think they have clear limitations there, with a particularly explosiveness at receiver. And I think Drew Aller is still figuring it out as a second year quarterback, uh, first year starter. So, like. They're not explosive, and that's that's a that's an issue, but I don't think it's like i I think the more experience Aller gets, I think that really helps. I think their offensive line's not going to have as bad of a day against other teams so i like i think they're I think they're legitimately a top ten team um Notre Dame Notre Dame's hard because. I think they finished 10 and two, like really the main hurdle that they have left is Clemson. And that's not looking nearly as bad as it once did. Now they have to go to death Valley, but I think 10 and two is very much on the table and they went two and two and maybe the hardest stretch of games, the, the hardest four game stretch any team has had to face Right, because you had Ohio State at home, then you went to Duke, and you went, and then you went on the road to Louisville, who Louisville's turned out to be much better than we thought, and then you finish with USC at home, and they're all nationally televised night games, back to back to back to back. That's really hard. Like that's that is the like four straight ranked teams, and. I mean, the first two games were really tough. The third game, that game, it looks worse than it was, right? Sam Hartman just had a bad game. Like, I think that game is much closer if Sam Hartman doesn't press. But the reality is they were just in two just dogfights with Ohio State and then at Duke. And then, I mean, they just crushed USC. So, and I mean, they crushed USC far worse than Utah. I, Utah did. And I think Utah's a really good team. So I, I think they're both 
easily a cut above, like, the, like I think they're in that second tier of like really, really good teams. I don't think they're elite teams by any means, but they are certainly teams that can beat anybody, especially this year in this seat, like in this season with these teams, nobody's untouchable right now. Like, there's no 2021 Georgia, there's no 2020 Alabama, there's no 2019 U, uh, LSU. They're not out there. We saw, like, there, there is none of those teams out there right now. And so, I think Notre Dame and Penn State on the right night can beat anybody. Um, but they have limitations, and that makes it a little harder for them. Um and I think the main thing is while they have really good players and they have efficient offenses at times, they don't have game breakers. And that, that's what really hurts you. Let me, let me move to a more sobering topic. And that is the, the scandal that is brewing in Ann Arbor. Now I want to give a couple caveats before I, I, go into this. My first caveat is this. Nothing has been definitively proven in regards to Jim Harbaugh knowing. And there's a lot of things coming out, but I'm I'm still unclear on all of the facts. And so there's a lot of insinuations on Twitter. There's a lot of insinuation and I'm I'm not, I'm going to try not to indulge in that, but I, like I, I'm I'm just giving a, a big caveat. Nothing has been conclusively decided yet, and so before I speak on this, I just want to be clear. I I don't want to hand down judgments until all of the facts are out. The second caveat is this. You you all know if you're a, a listener of the show for half a minute, I'm an Ohio State fan. I do not want Michigan to go down this way. As an Ohio State fan and as a football fan, I want Ohio State to beat their tails on the field at full strength. So what I'm about to say and what I'm about to talk about, I, I don't take pleasure in. Like, I don't want Michigan to go down. I want Michigan to be strong. I think it's Ohio State-Michigan is the greatest rivalry in sport. And, like, I'm not of this mentality of, like, I want, I want Michigan to, to crater so that Ohio State can win every year. Not what I want to do. So, with those caveats in mind, this is, this is looking like a potential disaster, not just for Michigan, but for the NCAA and for, for college football. Because what this ultimately has become is it's something that is, uh, it's centered on really the integrity of the game, which I think is bigger than maybe what I first thought. So if you listen to the podcast on Monday, I really thought that it wasn't as big of a deal as some were making it out to be, but I thought it was a bigger deal than maybe Michigan fans were making it out to be. Well, as facts are coming out, 
it's it seems like and again I'm 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 caveating this it seems like this whole kind of extensive network is far deeper and and far more extensive than anybody realized and so just a few of the facts a low level staffer named Connor Stallings bought uh, tickets to several football games. I believe it was 30 different games covering at least 15 teams, 11 of whom were in the Big Ten, as well as teams like Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Oregon, Washington. He bought tickets to all these games, and then there is surveillance footage of these tickets, these seats being filled where all they're doing is filming the opposite sideline. And the the insinuation is they are doing this in order to steal signs. Now, the, the problem isn't sign stealing. That's not the problem. The problem is two things, two violations of the NCAA, NCAA rules. The first is that they are advanced scouting, which is against the NCAA. The second and probably more problematic is that they are using electronic equipment to do it, to, to steal these signs, which that is a clear prohibition in the handbook as well. So there's these two violations. And it was repeatedly done, seemingly, again, seemingly, there's also now coming out that Connor Stallings had relationships with several of the Michigan coaches that they bragged about relationships with them. He had this 550 page manifesto. It was called the Michigan manifesto. It was how they were going to take over Michigan and make them great. And so th- this is all coming out. The, the other thing is that they, they discovered that Michigan was whether it was Connor Stallings or Michigan, we're not, I'm not entirely sure, but they were going to spend at least $3,000 to cover eight Ohio State games this year. As that means buying tickets, going to the stadium, and then filming the sideline. So they had seats for the Ohio State-Penn State game this week, this past week, in Connor Stallings' name. They never showed this week. And of course, that game was played after this started to come out. Um, there's more, there, there's photographic and video, quote unquote, evidence. That, that's more circumstantial, and I'm not going to play into that. But the, the, the problem, and again, I said this on Monday, there's a lot of people coming out and saying this is not that big of a deal, this is not a non-issue. Everybody steals signs. Listen, the Big Ten's making a statement about it. Matt Rule, you know, he had an interview, and people are misquoting the interview. Matt Rule, Nebraska head coach, he was basically like, you know, sign stealing, everybody does it. We have to guard against it. But like what this report is, which I'm not going to talk about, but this report that's out about advanced scouting, that's wrong and that's cheating. That was Matt Rule. And people are only showing half of the clip 
And it's the clip where he's like, oh, sign stealing's fine. It happens all the time. They're missing the first clip or the first part of the clip, which is condemning this type of behavior. Now, he didn't, he took the high road and didn't accuse uh, Michigan of wrongdoing. But this is, this is the problem. Like the, the Big Ten's hot about it. I think there's a lot of coaches that are hot about it, rightfully so. And so the, the question becomes, will the NCAA do anything? And if not, will the Big Ten step in? And, and not even w- if not, the NCAA is probably going to take until next year to, to finalize something. And not because they're, not for any other reason than right now they're just data gathering. Like this is a big time thing. And so they're not going to be hasty. But if the Big Ten feels like the integrity of their conference is at stake and the integrity of their champion is at stake, they'll do something. And I think that in their bylaws, they can do something. Um, Now, I'm not going to speculate what they will do, but I I am going to give an idea of the type of trouble I think Michigan is ultimately going to be in at the end of this. But before I do that, I want to, I want to talk about four things I keep seeing that I, I want to debunk because I think particularly if you're on the Twitter, Twitter sphere, or if you watch ESPN or you watch Colin Coward, or if you follow other national writers, there's a lot of people who are making really bad arguments. And I'm, I just, if you're, especially if you're a Michigan fan, I, I just want you to realize they're giving you false hope. And maybe nothing happens because there's incompetence involved. That's always an issue. You guys know how I feel about the NCAA. But I just don't want to give you false hope because there's people that are missing the forest from the trees. So let me, let me start with the first, the first problem. It's about sign stealing, right? RG3, that's called scouting, right? You know, Jeff Saturday, everybody sign steals. That's not the problem. Every year, they're right. Everybody scouts, everybody sign steals. That's not why they're being investigated. They're being investigated because of advanced scouting, which is prohibited, and scouting signs, stealing signs with electronic devices. That's why they're in hot water. They're getting it wrong when they say, well, this is about sign stealing or scouting. Stop it. And this is from like people that make millions of dollars or that are well-acknowledged analysts of the game. They're wrong. It's not about sign stealing. It's about these other two violations. Sign stealing's legal. The other two things aren't. So that's the first thing. The second thing, the NCAA is just creating a witch hunt about Jim Harbaugh. I don't think so. Listen, I I actually got something wrong with Jim Harbaugh because I got frustrated because I thought there was an NCAA violation over a cheeseburger. I was I stand corrected. It was actually over COVID uh, recruiting violations. 
Now I'm not going to get into that, but like when you do that and then you're, you're not maybe a hundred percent transparent, you do get on the NCAA's radar, right? The reality is there is a lot of smoke to this. There's a lot of smoke. You have guys on message boards from Tennessee calling this out back in January. Like you you have multiple Big Ten programs hinting at it for years. The, the, the latest rumor, and it's a rumor, and I, I don't want to perpetuate rumors, but the latest rumor is that this is actually being leaked from a Michigan alum. And that's coming from uh, a Michigan reporter. I think John U. Bacon is the is the guy who's who's putting that out. It's it's not a witch hunt. There, there's too much evidence for it to be a witch hunt. Like there's there's too much here. There's too much money involved. There's too many too many tickets bought. Like the paper trail is long. It's not a witch hunt. Third thing, and this is part of maybe the circumstantial evidence that people are are throwing around, but the idea that it didn't stop a team from scoring, even though they had the sign, right? The I think the video is that Ohio State was checking to a play and Michigan was like, oh, like it's definitely, like they were staring at the play. And whether that was evidence of it or not, the argument was, well, it didn't stop Ohio State from scoring that play, so what's the big deal? Like, guys, this this is not that that hard. Just because your plan to cheat fails doesn't mean it's still not cheating. And it still doesn't mean it's it, it violates the integrity of the game. Right? Like, think about it. If you're a student taking a test and you steal the answers from the wrong test and you get like a 33% on it and the teacher finds out like do you think the teacher is is going to be like oh like i know you tried to cheat but you you failed so tough luck like no they're going to report you and you're going to have to you're going to have to talk to the principal about what you did or if you're in college you're going to have to talk about the dean what you did like, it's not just that you failed. Like, cheating is not a violation just when it works, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's a similar thought too, and putting it in, in uh, more integrity rules, if a referee bets on a game and tries his hardest to help the team he bet on cover the spread... And fails. Do you think the ref, like, is going to be absolved because he didn't win the bet? Like, no, he's getting fired and barred. Like, it just, it makes no sense. So, like, just because it didn't work on a play or a series of plays doesn't mean it's still not an unfair advantage. It's still cheating. And then the last one... And this is like from Bud Elliott, who I respect as an analyst, but I think it's absolutely wrong. He said, well, the rule was created 
because of financial reasons. So like, why are we listening to it anyway? In other words, the rule's antiquated or it wasn't meant for this reason. Okay, that's fine. It still gives Michigan an unfair advantage. It gives any team an unfair advantage. And like, I get Colin Cowherd and others are like, well, if it weren't Michigan, like, we wouldn't care. That's not the point. It still gives Michigan an unfair advantage. And if it were Purdue, if it were Iowa, if it were Rutgers, like, do you think the NCAA wouldn't step in and blow them to smithereens? <clears throat> I mean, that's, like, quite frankly, we, we've, this is, this is, the NCAA has actually killed lesser programs over bigger programs over the years. So, like, yeah, maybe the media wouldn't care as much, but the NCAA does. And so what's my point in all this? I, I want to give fair expectations. I think regardless if Harbaugh is tied to it or not, like I think, I, I think everybody gets fired. I really do. Because at the end of the day, uh, like I don't know how higher-ups didn't know about this for the past several years with the amount going on. And like Stallings is most likely communicating to the offensive coordinator, to the defensive coordinator. It's influencing their play calls. And I'm like, how do you not know? And if they know, and again, this is conjecture. This is the only time I'm going to share conjecture. Like it makes no sense to me Connor Stallings would know all this and Sharon Moore, Jesse Minter, and obviously Jim Harbaugh have no clue because it's influencing their play calls. And if that's the case, like I think at minimum the coordinators know. But even if Jim Harbaugh didn't know, how is this not then a Pat Fitzgerald situation? It's, it's, except instead of hazing, it's uh, things that, that deal with the integrity of the game. So I, I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to sit here and say people should be fired. Like, I'm, I'm not saying people should be fired here. I'm just saying I think that's what's going to happen. Like, people, coaches have been fired for less Good coaches have been fired for less. Like, no offense, Tress, Jim Tressel was fired for freaking tattoos. Now, he lied about it. But I, there were a lot of circumstances under that that has still not been uncovered. But at one point, the distraction got so bad, it was just like, all right, Tressel just is going to fall on the sword. I, I don't see a way out for this staff unless unless everything comes out and like oh yeah Connor Stallings clearly acted alone he clear which he can't even say because he has this extensive network of other people that he was paying or someone else was paying 
to send to games. Like, it's just, there's no, I, I don't know how it would be, how it stops at him. I really, I, I don't. Because at, at the very least, there's a money trail that's leading somewhere. So I, but I, I just don't see a way where this ends at the very least with a lot of people losing their jobs. And, and I think at worst, you're talking about possibly bowl, bowl and playoff bans. Now, let me, let me end on this note. If you're a Michigan fan and you, you're mad at me for this, I want to be very clear. I, I, I really don't want this. And I, I kind of hope I'm wrong. I, and I hope that maybe we got the story wrong. Like, I, I'm hoping that that's the case. Because, honestly, for, for the good of college football, like, I think Michigan being strong and Ohio State-Michigan being a great rivalry is one of the best things for college football. I think Ohio State-Michigan and Penn State, for that matter, being in the mix every year for the playoff is great for college football. But the reality is, the way this looks, the way it violates the integrity of the game, I just don't know how they survive it. So, I I hope I'm wrong. I'm sorry, Michigan fans. I, I, I mean that, seriously. I, I As someone who has been on the other side of this, it stinks... And like I, I hope it's it, it's not what you guys have to deal with, but I I think it is. Um, so we'll have more on this as things transpire. Um, if I'm wrong, I'll own it. I I promise you that I will own it. Um, but that's that's gonna do it for this edition of the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Leave a review, send, send thoughts, email me at Big10FootballTalk at gmail.com. Um, honestly, Michigan fans, if you, you, if you disagree or you have, you have other thoughts, like feel free to email me in. Um, like I'd love to engage on this with you guys. But that'll do it. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless.